When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Listen, if you're always running to the bathroom and sometimes just can't make it, we need to talk. You're not alone. I was just like you until I spoke to an expert physician about axonics therapy. It changed everything. It didn't just give me bladder control. It gave me my life back. Axonics therapy is not another drug. It's just a tiny device you barely have to think about. And it can give you real lasting relief. You can even try it out first to make sure it works for you. Just take the first step. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. It's time to get your life back. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. Risks can result from Axonix therapy that may require surgical intervention. Available by prescription only. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. A to play fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome in live on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thank you for tuning in on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe that we catch all of our content as it becomes available to you. You can also check us out live on bellyup.tv on any web browsing device. 
Download the Fosse Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV devices to find us on demand or stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. Download us on your favorite podcast app. Give us that five-star review. Really helps us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We got some flickering going on with the camera here for some special reason. We'll try to get that worked out as we go through. But we got a primetime recap. Heroes and Zeros, and Waiver Saviors for Week 11. Week 11. It's it's flying by, man. I'm, I'm telling you, these last few weeks in particular are just flying. I don't know what else to make of it. It's absolutely insane. The playoffs, we're four games away. We got four regular seasons left. That's it. Or four regular season, four regular season games left. It's time. We have to get better. Every single week, we have to get better. And this is also the time where you start consolidating your rosters. Talk a little bit about this last week. Likely, trade deadlines are either this week or next week for most leagues out there. With only, you know, the regular season ending in week 14. Start looking at your schedules. If you think you're in a position where you can still make the playoffs or have a good shot to be in the playoffs, Start looking at those schedules. Start making trades. Maybe you make what is on paper a lateral trade, but in reality, their schedule is a lot better the rest of the way, which can be a lot more valuable. So maybe give a little up a little bit of depth here and there, and you're able to get somebody to give you a piece that has a really great schedule the rest of the way that you're not going to bench anyway. A lot of bye weeks are behind us. Take a look at that. If you got to go to a run to make the playoffs, then maybe you're not looking ahead. It's whatever gives you the best chance to win that particular week. Because you might be in playoff mode now just to make it. And what do I always say? If you're in that situation, that's fine. All you need is a shot. You just need a chance. You just have to get there. And then anything can happen. But that's the part of the season we're at. It's crunch mode. Most teams are still going to be mathematically in it as of this moment. Maybe you don't have a good of a shot, but you should be mathematically in it nonetheless. So if you're ahead, you're in first place, you're in second place, looking pretty good, take a gander of what's up ahead with your team. Maybe look for a trade you weren't thinking of before because you got a really good player, but hey, you know what? There's other players of equal value that I can maybe get instead with a nicer schedule the rest of the way. Maybe we play that game. If you're in crunch mode now, it's whatever helps your team this week. Because if you lose, it's not going to matter anyway what's down the road. So go into playoff mode now. That's what that's what matters. That's the point. And hopefully, we'll be able to help you get to that point throughout today's show. But let's start off with our primetime matchups. Of course, the Sunday night and the Monday night game. And let's talk about our thumpers and bummers that weren't a lot. Quarterback thumpers. This is Sparta! Jalen Hurts does come in as a quarterback thumper for the week, and you would be deceived by the box score. It doesn't go for 200 yards passing. Only had 28 yards rushing, but he had two passing touchdowns. He had another rushing touchdown to tack on on top of it, and he still winds up finishing as a top six quarterback in most leagues, depending upon what that one interception cost you. So basically, he did not have a great game, didn't have a high statistical output, and yet he still puts in top six finishes. 
That's the, that's the beauty of Jalen Hurts. And the offense did not play in general just well against the commanders in that game. But yet Hurts is still that good for a fantasy perspective. That's why he's still a quarterback thumper. Quarterback bummers. Yeah, it did not work out well for Justin Herbert. It, it's it's tough. He's got the name. If you have him, you drafted him to start him. It's hard to bench him. But it's also next to impossible to play him without his playmakers. Josh Palmer is not enough. He did not take enough of a leap. He cannot anchor down this receiving core without the other two around. It just can't happen. Herbert needs at least one of his other guys. I had him as a top 10 guy coming into the week. We'll talk more about that later, but I thought there was going to be more volume in the second half because I thought the 49ers would be up by multiple scores, and that that didn't happen. They had to come back from behind. So it was a weird game script on top of not having weapons, which led to Justin Herbert being one of the big busts of the week. Running back bummers. We didn't really have any running backs that were quote-unquote thumpers. Commander running backs, we'll talk about later. They had a nice output, but it wasn't a thumper-worthy output to make this list. But somebody did was a, did make a bummer, and that somebody was Miles Sanders. Didn't get any receptions, only tacked on 54 yards rushing. Boston Scott keeps playing too much. Kenneth Gainwell keeps playing too much. It takes away from Miles Sanders. So even though he's efficient when he gets the ball, he just doesn't consistently get the ball. And in this game, the Eagles barely had the ball. Commanders dominated time of possession. Miles Sanders is still a, a top-end RB, too, because he just he just has been as of late. But this was a very disappointing performance here on a Monday night game. Wide receiver thumpers. This is Sparta! Holy crap, where did this performance come from with Terry McLaurin? Eight catches. Over 100 yards, gets 11 targets against the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a match by him as a wide receiver three. Didn't have a great game last week. Comes back this week against a much tougher team. And the key really to me, it's, it's, not, it's not Taylor Heineke versus Carson Wentz. It's usage. John Dotson was back, but that did not stop Scott Turner from moving Terry McLaurin around a little bit more. It's always been one of his downfalls. He usually just lines up one side and... That's about it. If he doesn't get the right matchup, and sometimes he gets left out of the offense. But they started moving him around a little bit over the past few weeks, and it's paying dividends. That's why we've seen Curtis Samuel disappear and why Terry McLaurin's been much more consistent as of late. So I don't really care if it's Taylor Heineke or if it's Carson Wentz. I don't think the quarterback matters. What matters is the usage in the offense. If Carson Wentz comes back, but they continue to move Terry McLaurin all around the formation and actually feature their number one weapon, I think he'll be fine. I don't know if Carson Wentz is going to come back. I'm just illustrating the point that Terry McLaurin, his value is moving on up. Wide receiver bummers. Our other categories men have been lacking, but our wide receiver bummers were not. A.J. Brown, we'll talk about him a little bit later, but who one catch, seven yards. Not exactly what you're hoping for out of what's most people's wide receiver ones. With no doubt, a lot of people in a situation needing a good game out of A.J. Brown to pull off a Monday night miracle, and he did nothing for you here. And then Josh Palmer, he's a number two bummer. Nobody else around. No Keenan Allen, no Mike Williams. 
Yes, against San Francisco, but they've been giving up points to wide receivers. DeAndre Carter is the one who winds up getting the bomb. Even Gerald Everett got hurt in this game. It didn't matter. Still put up a dud performance with three catches and 44 yards. And the number one bummer was Debo Samuel. Because he's not just a bummer for this week. He no longer can carry wide receiver one status, period. And I think we have to start the question, is he even a wide receiver two? Brian Ayuk has become the favorite target of Jimmy Garoppolo on the outside. And that's continued. Now, he's dealing with the hamstring a couple weeks ago, had the bye week. He hasn't really done much all year, yet he's getting paid like a superstar. You'd think at some point they'd have to make an emphasis to utilize the guy. That's what I was basing it off of. I thought the Sunday night might be a good time to showcase that. Nope. Kyle Shanahan just sticking to what he does, which is run, and then whoever happens to get involved gets involved. And right now, that's been Brandon Ayuk for Jimmy Garoppolo. It has not been Debo Samuel. I think he's still probably starting Debo. But you have to que- we're at the point now you have to question it. It's been that bad. You have to question it. So he's not just a bummer for this game. He's a bummer moving forward because now we're going to find ourselves trying to figure out, can we even play this guy? Because that's how scarce the volume has been around him. Oh, we got another bummer for you, though. Tight end bummers. Yeah, pretty much if you are a running back for San Francisco, you are a bummer in that game. George Kittle, one catch. We always we we know we, we know he's he's hit or miss. He's it's just the nature of George Kittle's game and, and what his involvement may or may not be on a week to week basis. But again, a, a game in which the 49ers had to come back from behind to not involve Debo Samuel or George Kittle. And it's been so hit or miss this year with the pass catchers. George Kittle's another guy you have to start to question. Is he in Kyle Pitts territory where it's like, you're great. You're a great player. You have tremendous upside. But I can't keep getting three-point, two-point performances out of you. Am I, am I, not in this part of the season. Not when it's crunch time. Not when you have to make the playoffs. Can't afford it. They got some really good matchups for tight ends coming in, which is why he'll likely stay within our top 10, starting with Arizona next week. But it's brutal right now for George Kittle as well. He's another bummer performance. But yep, thumpers and bummers always liked on the Tuesday segment. So let's dive into the notes of the game. I know, I know, I know. All right, so what do we know coming out of these two games? We'll start with the Sunday night game first. We'll start on the Chargers side of the ball. So we already talked about Palmer disappointing. There was an interesting piece of news that came out, and we'll have to see how this plays out. I don't know yet, but Brandon Staley suggesting that both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are going to be expected to practice this week. Now, they got a big game coming up against Kansas City, a game in which we would expect there to be lots of volume and lots of scoring. So Herbert probably back on the track to being a top 12 quarterback in my projections this week too, just because of that. And if he just gets one guy back, if he just gets Mike Williams or Keenan Allen back, that would be enough. I find it interesting with Keenan Allen in particular because he hasn't practiced at all. Mike Williams, we kind of had a feeling that this was a week that was a potential comeback for him. We don't know what's going on with Keenan. Every time he tries to amp it up again, he seems to re-injure himself. So that'll have to be a way to be seen. But what we do know is this. Even if one guy misses, I don't know if Josh Palmer is somebody you can definitively play. I know he had 100 yards two weeks ago. And receivers can be hit or miss sometimes. 
But if you're not going to take advantage of what should be a safe volume floor, I don't know. The Kansas City game is still, he's still probably going to come in as a wide receiver three because the Kansas City game is going to be tough, and we'll preview that more. Just, just because of the sheer volume of passing that could go on in that matchup, maybe he's able to get back into having a decent game in that one if, if one of those guys misses. But it becomes a very eerie situation. More on that when we talk about it on our clairvoyance Thursday and our look-ahead Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. Make sure you tune in like it is every week. And just, you know, the whole note with Herbert, like, until he gets at least one of those weapons back, I don't know how much you could trust him, but I think there might be a shot now against Kansas City. Austin Eckler always provides you the safe floor because he's just getting a ton of dump-offs. Whatever was going on the first three weeks of the season, that's gone. We don't have to worry about that anymore. He's getting a ton of dump-offs, and he's getting all the goal line work. We move on to San Francisco. And just look, Shanahan right now just doesn't seem like he knows how to get anybody else involved besides the running game. And yes, they're always going to be a run first team. We know this, but you're too talented on the perimeter at the skill set position on the outside to just be like, yeah, Kittle, Depot, eh. They don't need to be involved. Everybody's trying to figure out with San Francisco why they only put up 22 points against the Chargers. Chargers defense played well. They deserve credit because they actually held this 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 running attack to, you know, under four yards of carry as a whole. Christian McCaffrey in particular, 2.7 yards of carry. Was not expecting that. Was not expecting that. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And even the Elijah Mitchell thing, yes, he gets 18 carries. I'm not overly concerned about that with McCaffrey owner because he still got 65% of the snaps. So it wasn't a it wasn't a 50-50 committee in the sense of snaps. Elijah Mitchell got hot late in the game. Like I said, Chris McCaffrey, for you know, unforeseen reasons, was not being super efficient. Still gets the touchdown. But as a result of that, Elijah Mitchell kind of helped them close out the game, kind of deal. And maybe that is something you were like, oh, well, yeah, but now I have to worry about Mitchell getting all kinds of work. Look, the only part of the 49ers offense is getting a volume is the backfield. So I don't think I care. I would suspect that McCaffrey will be more efficient than 2.7 yards per carry probably every game from here on out. I would suspect that would be the case. He still got 18 touches. I will take McCaffrey at 18 touches every day of the week. So I'm not really worried about this any way you slice it. And like I said, it's just a pass attack. Brandon Ayuk's the only safe guy because Jimmy Garoppolo is just looking for him on the outside. That's it, though. Hit or miss with George Kittle. For some reason, Debo doesn't seem to be a part of the game plan week in, week out. And that's kind of what just you wind up getting left with as a result. And I don't know what the easy answer is. I don't know if there is one. I think based I think you have to play these guys based like based on matchup. If Debo George Kittle have a plus plus matchup with their talent, you probably have to play them and take the chance. But otherwise, I think we have to start to question things. 
And what it is, just it's not just the run-heavy scheme. It's the slow pace. If the 49ers offense, if Kyle Shanahan ever decided to actually pick up the pace and be a more up-tempo team, or at least go up-tempo at times, it would open everything up. I don't think there's a defense out there that would be able to stop this offense if they went up-tempo. Because they can hit you in so many different ways. And if you went up-tempo, now all of a sudden you got the volume ticking in both the rushing and the passing game. And now everybody gets to eat. And it would be uber effective. I'm telling you that right now. But Shanahan, this is not what he's going to do. And it's, 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 it's tiresome. I'm tired of hearing how Kyle Shanahan is a genius. And yet, all these great weapons and nobody gets to touch the ball. Except for one to, one to two guys. That's it. That's all. It's, it's maddening. They won this game, but it was a game they should have won handedly. And couldn't. But anyway, let's head to the Monday night game. Let's talk about the Commanders and the Eagles. And it's funny, Chris and I, we talked about this game on Cashing Friday along with Chaz Flaherty. And we said, you know, we don't really want to bet on the Eagles here. They have been undefeated. The Commanders are an inferior team. It's in Philadelphia. Didn't want to bet on the Eagles. Why? Because the line was too large. Division games are weird. Division games are weird. This is just more evidence to the fact that division games are weird. Starting on the commander side of the ball, look, you play. We had Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson rated as RB threes. Actually, had Gibson just inside my top twenty four. He scored a touchdown. Brian Robinson scored a touchdown, eighty six yards. Gibson tacked on three receptions for fourteen yards. Not world beaters, but they had good games. They both split the work. I think Robinson had forty three snaps to Gibson's forty which is to be expected when the commanders shockingly in this game were actually up late. So that's what we would suspect to see. Yes. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of NFL refereeing going on in this game. It's going to be the narrative all week long. That's not here nor there when it comes to fantasy, but it was interesting watching this game throughout. And then we talked about Terry McLaurin. With this signature win, this might, seal the deal that Carson Wentz does not get his job back. Which, I mean, you may not care. Curtis Samuel, though, especially if Tyler ha- Taylor Haneke is going to continue to be the starter and Terry McLaurin is going to continue to get moved around, this is what you could do to Curtis Samuel. Prepare to be flushed. He's not involved in the offense the same way that he was early in the season. And because he doesn't really have the big play touchdown upside of Terry McLaurin to begin with, and now John Dotson's back on top of it, didn't play much in this game yet, but figure his usage will amp up over the next few weeks. I'm only playing Terry McLaurin. I'm not interested in anybody else in this passing attack for the commanders. Plain and simple. On the Philadelphia side, their defense, keep this in mind, their run defense in particular seems to be vulnerable without Jordan Davis. Really, the defense as a whole. Because they're, line of, they're not dominating the line of scrimmage like they were early in the season without him. And that seems to be trickling down and affecting the rest of the defense. Like, ter- like for instance, passing games getting opened up, and you can actually run at them. So, interesting note, when they play the Colts next week, too. John Taylor might have a little bit of an easier lane than he normally would have. So that's something to watch when you're playing against the Philadelphia Eagles. As far as the offensive side of the ball, it was just a bad week for everybody. But the A.J. Brown note is something we're going to have to watch. 
So he he played the whole game. He played 39 snaps. He was second to just Devonta Smith, who played 43. So ultimately, I do think he's going to be okay next week. But he started off the game right away. First target, one catch, seven yards. And I don't know. I thought he was. I thought it was his knee. When they did Brown, you're always worried about it being his knee. But you did notice when he got back out there on the field, he had his, I believe his left ankle was wrapped up. So I don't know if he just rolled it and felt a little bit of a pain. But I will say this, he didn't look like A.J. Brown out there for the rest of the game. And the Eagles needed to make plays down the field, and, and Brown really wasn't getting open, and Hurst couldn't really go to him. So while he was out there and playing, in a game in which the Eagles had to come back from behind and were trailing, he only had four targets, one catch, seven yards. So don't be surprised if A.J. Brown's on the injury report this week with, with either an ankle or knee issue, whatever, whatever the case winds up being. Like I said, the ankle was what was wrapped up. Again, because he played the whole game, I think there's good hope that he's going to be available next week. But maybe he's not 100% A.J. Brown. And, and while you're still going to play Brown whenever he's active and healthy, you might have to take shots somewhere else in your lineup to make up the pop difference that you may not or may not have. To me, that's what stuck out in this game. Like He's out there, but he wasn't his normal explosive self. He wasn't getting open down the field like he normally does. And they were looking for him, and, and the Hurst just couldn't go to him. So it's definitely something to watch. That does it for the notes of the game. So what I want to do now is take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got my heroes and zeros for the week, my right around calls, and then we got the waiver saviors heading into week 11 so we can continue to get better. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back with you right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt the couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find a perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. 
Welcome back into the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thank you for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe. That way you get notified whenever we have new content available to you. You can catch us on demand when you download the Foxy Network app on your TV streaming devices or just download us on your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the show on the go. Please give us that five-star review. really helps us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We just uh, recapped the primetime matchups. Thumpers and bummers are insights of the game. If you didn't catch our Sunday Funday recap, make sure you go back and catch that where we recapped all the other games. And now it's time to get into my right and wrong calls of the week. Dan's heroes and zeros. Let's start off with my quarterback wrong calls. Quarterback zeros. Yeah, I, I have Tom Brady. He's, he's he's one of my quarterback bad calls of the week. I had him inside the top 10. I really felt like, and, and from an NFL standpoint, I, I don't know if I'm totally wrong with this. From a fantasy standpoint, I was wrong. Tom Brady didn't finish this guy you wanted to start in your lineups. But I thought he played better than what we've seen as of late. I thought Tampa Bay as a whole played better than what we have seen as of late. But it didn't really translate in the fantasy points. Really thought that game-winning drive the week before was going to spark something. I guess I can argue in some ways it did, but Brady, who the volume had been insane up until this point, going up against Seattle, I did have him side as a top-10 guy and just did not produce as such. Had 258 yards, two touchdowns. He got that pick at the end, and that's kind of what sealed the deal as far as him not being a top-12 guy. And that was just it was a bad call by me. It was a risky call. And frankly, it should have went in other directions. And maybe we should know better by now, but I don't know. I still have hope. I still would not drop Tom Brady. Let's put it that way. But it was a wrong call for me on the week. Quarterback heroes. I was right about Dak Prescott being a top 10 guy this week. Not a very common trend, by the way. It was higher than the ECR heading into this matchup. The Green Bay Packers defense have been pretty good. Cowboys, for the most part, have been pretty conservative. We weren't sure if he was going to use his legs, and really, he frankly didn't. But the 46 pass attempts and the huge C.D. Lamb game gave Dak Prescott all he needed to be a top 10 guy, and we nailed it right on the head. Quarterback zeros. Yeah, I talked about him quite a bit tonight already, so we don't have to get into it too much. But Justin Herbert, I, I knew it was risky. I knew it was risky against San Francisco's defense, where they have a chance to dominate the line of scrimmage, potentially with the Chargers being so banged up along the offensive line, not having Keenan Allen, not having Mike Williams. Probably should have ranked him as my QB9, looking back on it. And like I said, I really thought it was more due to game script. I was projecting a different game script where the 49ers would be up by two touchdowns in the second half, and the Chargers would have a lot of volume at the end, and that was going to what would make up the difference in my book from a fantasy perspective, and that didn't wind up happening. So once we didn't get that game script, and you're still dealing with a tough matchup with no weapons, well, then you kind of got what you got, which was a guy that wasn't even in streaming territory with where he finished. So bad call by me. Quarterback heroes. Second week in a row, I trusted Trevor Lawrence to finish as a top 12 quarterback. Second week in a row, he did just that against Kansas City. Look, I projected game script. 
It's what I project, projected game script. Projected that Jaguars are going to have to come back from behind against Kansas City. And that's what happened. And that now that Christian Kirk is kind of back on track and Zay Jones is acting as that safety blanket again, and Lawrence playing a little bit better over the past couple of weeks, that's all kind of round up into, hey, you know what? Trevor Lawrence is a fine play in certain matchups. You can't play him every week, but he is the epitome of a streaming option. If the matchup and the game script projected is right, Trevor Lawrence is a top 12 guy so far this season. And we got that right yet again. Running back zeros. I was too low on James Conner. I am an RB 27. I should have had him higher. I don't know what's going on with the Eno Benjamin thing. We'll, we'll keep you up to date on that. All of a sudden, he got cut from the team. So something happened that we don't know about yet with Eno Benjamin. Because all of a sudden, he wasn't part of, the, part of the factor. And I had factored him into being, you know, getting some work. Didn't know Eno Benjamin was suddenly not going to be a part of this game here. And But knowing that Kyler Murray had a decent chance to not play, or and even if Kyler Murray played, knew he wasn't going to use his legs too much, should have projected James Conner to have more volume and have to be more involved than what I did. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. It was still a tough match against the Rams. Wasn't sure this game was going to go. Thought it could be low scoring, and for relatively it was. But I should project the fact that James Conner was going to have to be more involved in a game like this where Kyler Murray is banked up, and they're going to have to lean on him to move the ball. He's just been so uninspiring. Because this isn't just that he's having a down year and he's banged up again. Even when he's out there, he's back to being a plotter. Like last year, there was times where he actually looked quick. It was it was weird. It was shocking. This year, he looks like he's back to what he was his, his final year at Pittsburgh, which is you know barely making a pass the line of scrimmage, not breaking tackles. But the volume with the Cardinals and his role within the goal line is enough that gives him a shot every single week. And I should project him for more. And I was I was too low, and I was much lower than the ECR was. So I was I was definitely wrong. Running back heroes. <laughs> I was right on Jeff Wilson. It was much higher than the ECR on Jeff Wilson. Had him locked inside my top 24. I said, you got to play him. It's going to be a committee on a high-scoring offense. And Jeff Wilson had already shown that he was leading the way a bit. And he ran away with it in the second half. The first half, it was still close. I think it was 1917 as far as snaps go between Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. But in the second half, when it became time for the Dolphins to just close out the game, that was the Jeff Wilson show. That was the Jeff Wilson show. And I think that's what we can expect now. First half, I think it'll be a split. If Miami's blowing somebody out, it'll be the Jeff Wilson show. If not, then it'll still be a committee on a drive-by-drive basis. But again, it's a high-scoring offense. Jeff Wilson will be a high-end RB3, low-end RB2 most weeks as a result, at the very least. And we were right about it on that one. Running back zeros. Yeah, this one haunted me in a lot of leagues and probably haunted you too. And I apologize. 
I'm not the only one who got this wrong, but I still got it wrong nonetheless. Cordell Patterson, I had him inside my top 20. I was encouraged by what we saw the Sunday before when he had 13 carries, led the backfield, had two touchdowns. He still gets to goal line work. But Caleb Huntley had to get involved. Avery Williams got involved in and again, it could be just because of the rain. It could be because Carolina got up by a couple scores, whatever the case may be, but Patterson barely played in the second half. No reported injuries, no reported setbacks, just flat out didn't play. Whether it was a load management thing, whatever, it was weird. And I was wrong to think that we could trust him in a sloppy game like that so soon after him returning from injury. So that was my bad. Running back heroes. I was significantly higher than the ECR on Jonathan Taylor heading into the week. I have him as an RB1. I have him a top 10 play. Nobody else did. It was a couple things. It was one, I thought with Jeff Saturday, look, I had my questions, my doubts about what the Jeff Saturday hiring could mean, if it meant positive or not. But I did think... It meant this, and Chris pointed this out, and I totally agreed with him. It meant that they would probably simplify things, find an identity, find a focus, and then work off of that. And they did just that. And then you also, you know, compile the fact that you're playing the Raiders, who are awful against the run, really awful on defense, period. But if you got a, if you have a good running back, they're terrible. They're doomed. So when you combine those two things, I wound up putting Jonathan Taylor, who was practicing and folding into the week as a top 10 player. I have actually top eight because I haven't running back eight heading into the week. ECR had him at RB14, I believe it was. And he paid off in a big, big way. And now all Jonathan Taylor owners, they all have hope. They all have hope again. I still say you sell him high while you can. I still say you sell him high. Between that performance and the name value that he has, I think you can get somebody with a really good schedule who, frankly, is still more trustworthy. Because just because they had a good game against the Raiders does not all of a sudden mean this Colts team is completely different. Keep that in mind. So I would still sell high on Jonathan Taylor. But for now, we were able to nail that call. Wide receiver zeros. Yeah. I desperately need the Saints to switch to Jameis Winston. It's against the Steelers. Now, I knew the Steelers' defense, they might play better now that T.J. Watt was back in the mix because, I mean, it's amazing. T.J. Watt doesn't cover wide receivers, so you would think that shouldn't matter as much. But when he plays, their run defense, their pass defense, everything's just drastically better with T.J. Watt on the field. Plain and simple. It just is. So even though Chris Olave had a great matchup and he had been, you know, good, not great, but good with Andy Dalton. And I wasn't worried about Jarvis Landry's involvement. We felt pretty confident Chris Olave could be a borderline top 12 player, at least a high-end wide receiver, too, if nothing else. And he completely dud it out. Andy Dalton's it's just terrible. It's terrible to watch. Dennis Allen said there's no commitment or at least no uh, no comment, I guess you could say, as far as who the starting quarterback is going to be heading into next week. I hope that's a signal that they're seriously considering Jameis Winston. And Winston gets back out there, regardless of what you think of him, Olave's value goes back up through the roof because he'll start getting deep shots. He'll have a ceiling again. 
So that's what we're hoping for with Chris Olave. But for right now, definitely got that call wrong and should have taken the fact that Andy Dalton stinks and TJ Watt was back in the mix into more consideration than what I did. Wide receiver heroes. Yeah, Rondale Moore keeps making me look good because I keep ranking him as a mid to high level wide receiver three, and he just keeps getting targets constantly. And even when Marquise Brown comes back, now it's Zach Ertz out for the rest of the year. That middle of the field is going to be dominated by Rondale Moore. Regardless of what happens with Marquise, when Marquise Brown comes back, he's going to be in the Anderson A.J. Green role, which doesn't get targeted because they only throw it to DeAndre Hopkins on the outside. Rondell Moore is turning into the slot receiver we all hoped he would be, and now he gets to dominate that middle part of the field, which is the most consistent targeted part of the field when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals. So Rondell Moore is a guy that, look, does he have the biggest ceiling in the world? No. Does he have a lot of touchdown potential? No. But does he have a safe floor as one of the safest wide receiver threes you could possibly play with wide receiver two upside? Absolutely. And we got that call right again this week. Wide receiver zeros. Yeah, don't worry. This was the last time I ranked Debo Samuel inside the top 10. I already talked about my thought process was at some point you got to get this guy going. You paid him like a superstar. It's, it's ridiculous that he hasn't been getting going, that he has been getting volume. It was a decent matchup here against the Chargers. And he gets, just, he gets left out again. He gets left out again. Now, like I said, we have to talk about this Debo Samuel, even a guy that you want to start at all. I think that conversation at least has to be had. You probably are, but we, we got to talk about it. Because the floor is too low with this kind of volume, with the way San Francisco's running their offense right now. And I'm done ranking him in the top 10. I'm sorry I did this week. Wide receiver heroes. Yeah, I never fell off the Christian Kirk bandwagon. Everybody was like panicking and like, oh, what do we do? Jaguars are back to stinking. Kirk is, you know, what we thought he was. And look, I still don't think Kirk is, should be anchoring down anybody's wide receiving core, but he's getting the volume. And it never really went away. A couple bad games. Now they're back to it. The defense is horrible. There are a lot of games in which they have to score points. They have to throw a ton in the second half. And even while Travis Etienne's been on a roll, not this past week, but leading up to this week, Number one targeted guy, number one featured guy is Christian Kirk. And he's got big play upside. He's got touchdown upside. He's got the volume floor to go with it. You're playing Christian Kirk every single week. And we're higher on him than the ECR was again. Tight end zeros. Uh, Whoops. Sorry for trusting Greg Dolchich as my tight end nine this week. Look, up up until this point, since he's been back and healthy, he's been the only trustworthy pass catcher of the Denver Broncos, no matter who the quarterback is. He's been the only one. It was a nice matchup here, at least on paper. I know Tennessee's been playing better defense as of late, but still. And he completely dudded. This Denver offense is just, oh, man, are they a headache. Just a major headache. But. I still probably will play him as a top 10 tight end moving forward. It was just a bad week this week. Tight end heroes. Dalton Schultz, baby. Had him inside my top 12. One of the very few who had him inside the top 12. I was just like, look, he had an extra week. 
recover with the bye week. We know Dak Prescott loves him. He at least has a tremendous floor, especially in full point PPR leagues. And he gets he does have touchdown upside, which he got in this game. Despite the fact that CeeDee Lamb went off, Schultz still got his. And that's why I think he's a top 12 tight end moving forward. And we are on it right away. Tight end zeros. Yeah, once again, it's the George Kittle thing. I mean, I had him ranked as a tight end two overall in the week. And I just, I feel awful about that. And I, I mean, like I knew it's it's hit or miss. And he knew it was going to be risky going into it. But it was like, it was the Chargers matchup. Tight ends in general are, you know, a mess. George Kittle is a tremendous player. And Trent Williams is back in the game. Usually when Trent Williams is back there, Kittle gets more than two targets. Again, just more of you can't trust the usage right now outside of the backfield and Brandon Ayuk when it comes to the San Francisco offense. It's, it's, it's maddening. And yet with George Kittle, you feel like, well, but I got to play him because he's George Kittle. It's hard. It's tough. My bad for ranking him as number two. Tight end heroes. Uh, Cole Komet at tight end eight. I was the highest. On Cole Komet heading into the week. And he nailed it, baby, with the two touchdowns and 74 yards. Now, he got a little bit banged up. We'll have to watch him throughout the week. It seems like, from his words, at least it sounds like he thinks he's going to be okay. We'll have to see exactly what happens in practice. We know what happens when you listen to players. You shouldn't. But he's been on fire. And Chase Claypool, who he thought would have a bigger role, didn't. So even when he gets up to snuff... Fields is looking for Komet now in the middle of the field. He's dominating that area. Mooney has his role. And then Komet is now the safety blanket on a much more competent pass attack coming out of the Bears right now. So I think if the matchup is right, Cole Komet can be trusted as a top 12 tight end and needs to be owned. We'll talk about that soon in the waiver saviors. In fact, actually, no, just hit that drop. We'll go waiver saviors. So that thank you for listening to our Heroes and Zeros, by the way. We always try to keep ourselves accountable here. But now it's time to get our teams better. Now it's time to look ahead in the week 11 and get to our playoff race. I got a lot of names to go talk about for, for different reasons. We're, we're scaling it all over the place. If you're looking to win now, you're looking to win down the road, we got a guy for you at each position. Starting with the quarterbacks. I got three guys. Now, I know this past week wasn't great, but Jimmy G still finishes the top 16 quarterback. He's just, he has to be in the streaming category every single week. They play Arizona Cardinals this week on the Monday Night Football game. Maybe he has to throw a little bit more, but the fact is, Garoppolo is a good candidate to get two touchdowns every single week, which puts him inside the conversation. So, if you just, it, this is only if you need a spot starter and you just need someone to hold down the fort. Don't be looking for a big ceiling out of here. You're not going to get it out of him just to hold down the fort for one week. That's what Jimmy G is. He's only 39% owned, and I wouldn't waste any you know priority or fab on him either. Deshaun Watson. Now, this is for the teams that are looking like they're going to make the playoffs. Deshaun Watson's going to be back very soon. Week 12, I believe it is. And he's going to be good to go. He's going to start. He's going to start week 12 against Houston. He's not going to have to do too much. That's the good news. Nick Chubb will probably dominate that game for him. But if you're looking like you're going to make the playoffs and you've been looking around for a quarterback that you could ride through the playoffs, that could be Deshaun Watson. Now, he's got some rust he's going to have to knock off. This, this guy's you know, almost two years hasn't played football and, and didn't look particularly great in the preseason action that we did see him in. 
which is why I think this has to be reserved for teams that are looking like they're playoff bound. Because you may not be able to play him with any confidence until week 15. Because you got to give him a few weeks to get going and see what we got. But 28% owned right now, definitely worth the shot if you're playoff bound and been looking for a quarterback to take you over the top. Now, unlike Jimmy G, who I said, you know, he's a he's a spot star. You just need somebody to hold down the four. If you got to take a shot, Jameis Winston is 6.3%. Now, the good news is you don't have to spend anything to get Jameis. Because I don't think we're going to hear one way or another until maybe Wednesday, if, if even that early in the week. But I just call it a gut feeling and the fact that they wouldn't commit to Andy Dalton after that pathetic game. I feel like Jameis Winston's going to be the starting quarterback this week. I really, I just, I have a feeling that's going to wind up happening. So if you need a guy with a big ceiling at the quarterback position, Jameis Winston could be your guy, and he's widely available to you. Let's talk about our running backs that we're interested in this week. Brian Robinson is 49% owned. He makes my list. I was very surprised by that. I know that he hasn't been particularly great, and that if he doesn't score a touchdown, his fantasy day is usually bleak because he's not giving you anything in the passing game. This is true. But he's solid tonight. He's in a committee. He's technically a starting running back in the NFL who does have touchdown upside, by the way. Do I want to do I maybe not want to play him unless the matchup's right? Yeah, probably not. But getting 86 yards and a touchdown against the Philadelphia Eagles doesn't hurt. He definitely should be owned, if nothing else. Outside of that, we got Kenyon Drake and Gus Edwards. Now, the word seems to be that they, the Ravens seem like they're hopeful Gus Edwards will be able to go, who, by the way, is actually less owned than Kenyon Drake. He's only 34% owned right now. That part baffles my mind because we know that Gus Edwards, when he's out there and playing, he's the starting running back of this team. It's not going to be Kenyon Drake. Now, if Edwards is healthy, but Drake also still needs to be speculative at 46% owned. Because if Gus Edwards can't go, if, if he's not progressing along as Harbaugh is making it optimistically sound at the moment, well, then we know Kenyon Drake will lead the way. And I still don't trust it, but it can't be ignored that he's been pretty good the past couple of weeks when given the opportunity for them. Then we have our handcuffs. Alexander Madison, 25% owned. Again, if you have Dalvin Cook, pick him up. I know this is the time of year people say, like, well, handcuffs don't matter as much. I beg to differ. Handcuffs are the golden lottery tickets this time of the year. Because at this point, on your waiver wire, especially if you're in 12-man leagues, competitive leagues, there's not much gold left on that waiver wire at this point in the season. The only thing that might be available is guys like Alexander Madison who are high-value handcuffs that you can get ahead of it on. Those are the golden tickets. So I still think Madison should be owned by every Dalvin Cook owner, if nothing else, but he's a golden ticket too. But the guy you got to go after now is Rashad White. And I'm sure he'll probably be the most ad player of the week. 25% owned on average through the major platforms right now. And as we saw this past week in Germany, he is no longer the handcuff. He got to start that game, play the whole drive, now, it was a committee until Leonard Fournette got hurt. But even today, Todd Bowles comes out and says, hey, while it's a hip pointer injury, 
He's not 100% sure Leonard Fournette will definitely be able to come out and play. He's not 100% sure about that. So we'll have to see. He's got the bye week, so maybe he's back. But I think if nothing else, Rashad White now enters flex territory. And if he continues to outplay Leonard Fournette, could find himself getting more and more work as the season rolls on. We'll have to see. He was good here. He might get more opportunity down the road. And if Leonard Fournette doesn't play coming out of the bye week, well, Rashad White will be a borderline RB1 play. And if he does really well, maybe they don't bother going back to Leonard Fournette, who they can get out of his contract at the end of the season. So huge upside there. Whatever fab you got left, whatever priority you have, Rashad White should be that pickup. Then you got Jalen Warren. Again, this is a handcuff situation. Najee Harris got back to 20 carries this game. 11% owned. He's just intriguing to me because he he's more explosive and he gives you more in the passing game right now when he's out there. So just another golden ticket lottery guy if you if you want to take that shot because the, the Steelers' second half schedule is a lot easier than it was in the first half. But not a priority add at any rate. Let's move it to the wide receivers. So let's move it to the Chiefs wide receivers. I doubt Juju Smith-Schuster plays next week after that vicious hit that he took with Gush Protocol. Anything's possible, but it's unlikely that that winds up being the case. We also don't really know what's going on with Michael Hartman. He wasn't able to practice at all last week, so there's a chance he misses. So now we're looking at Marquez Valdez-Scaling at 47%, but more importantly, Kadarius Toney at 47%, who once Juju went down, he stepped into a much larger role. And he's already been getting utilized in different ways to begin with. If Juju's going to be out, Kadarius Toney might be the lead number one receiver of this team against the Chargers next week. So he should be a big-time pickup if he's still available in your leagues. Again, 47% owned, so about 50-50 as far as that goes. Devin Duvernay. Now, I know Duvernay hasn't always come through. 41% owned. But without Rashad Bateman, Duvernay is playing the most snaps amongst the wide receivers. And he's had big games because they utilize him in different ways. Kind of a Swiss Army knife. Is he a bit big play dependent? Is he a wide receiver three? Is he more of a flex play than a guy you want to lock into your lineups? Yes. But if you're looking for guys who got pop and have a lot of playing time to go along with it, well, that guy's Devin Duvernay. So he's interesting. Zay Jones, he's 33% owned right now. He gets a lot of targets. This is a pure full-point PPR ad. If you're in half-point, you're in standard, I'm probably not bothering because Zay Jones going over 100 yards just doesn't seem to be something that's really in the cards all that much. But getting 8 to 10 catches, that is. So from a PPR standpoint, with the way the Jaguars are playing right now, Zay Jones could be an interesting spot start too. Traylon Burks is the guy I would want more, though. He's 24% owned. Was already third on the team in snaps this past week. I know Nick Westbrook Ikine was, you know, he had the guy that went off. That's neither here nor there. Tannehill back in the lineup. So now all of a sudden the passing attack is relevant at least again. And Burks is going to have to be the guy moving forward. They'll ramp him up as these weeks come along. He's the most talented wide receiver that they have. And if one guy emerges, they have room for that. He's likely to be that one guy. So I like his upside. Very few and hard to find at this point in the season. That brings me to Paris Campbell. So thank, I was I was bittersweet at Jeff Saturday, actually, this past week. It was 
I was thankful that he pivoted back to Matt Ryan. I was also pissed that early in the week he said Sam Ellinger would be the starting quarterback even if Matt Ryan was available, and that completely affected my projections on what I had on the wide receivers because I was projecting them to have Sam Ellinger as their quarterback, and that didn't want to be the case. It was, it was Matt Ryan. I would have upped Michael Pittman. I would have upped Paris Campbell. But Paris Campbell's the guy, look, he looks fast. He's healthy right now. He gives you more yards after catch. He's getting just as many targets as Michael Pittman. In the same areas of the field, it's check down city for Matt Ryan. And without Naeem Hines now, I would even argue Paris Campbell kind of acts as more of that check down guy even more so now. But what he gives you that Pittman does not is the yards after the catch. Is he a wide receiver three? Sure. But he's a good spot star, especially in full point PPR leagues. He's only 23% owned. He should be looking Paris Campbell's way. The other guy I have on my list who has upside similar to Traylon Burks is Donovan Peoples-Jones. And everybody's going to know he had a good game this past week. But if Deshaun Watson does get going, especially for the playoff run, and you're looking for a big play wide receiver, that could be Donovan Peoples-Jones. Again, I compare him, I think he's very similar in my mind to a Will Fuller. So if Watson has that type of guy, we know that if he's anything like his normal self at any point this season during the playoff run, Don Peoples-Jones could be a guy that's like kind of like a Gabe Davis type where he could win you a week by yourself. He might have a low floor because it could be like an Amari Cooper week and it could be David Joku week when he gets back and it's still going to be a run first team. But he could also be that guy who wins you the week and you could take that shot on. So he needs to be picked up. He's only 21% owned. The next guy, Van Jefferson, very, very interesting. 7% owned. There seems to be some back and forth about this in the industry right now. For decent reason, Van Jefferson really did not play much in that game until Cooper Cup got hurt. But when Cooper Cup did get hurt, the guy who looked like the best receiver on the field was Van Jefferson, and he scored a touchdown with the backup quarterback, John Walford. He's only 7% owned right now. There's been some good news on Cup. They didn't break anything. So it might, we don't, haven't gotten clarification as far as recording the show yet. We'll keep you up to date on social media at Billy of MDFF show. It might be a high ankle sprain, but even if it's a high ankle sprain, we're still looking at four to six weeks here. So minimum a month of no Amari Cooper. Van Jefferson could be pivotal for your run to try to get in the playoffs if that's going to be the case. And maybe it winds up being longer. We'll see, because the Rams are out of it. I don't know what kind of motivation they're going to have to bring back Cooper Cup. Just get knocked around some more if they're going to be out of the playoff hunt, which they might be very, very soon. So you have that to consider as well. So Van Jefferson, look, I said this during the Sunday Funday recap. Who's going to be the wide receiver? People have thrown out, well, Allen Robinson, they paid him. Maybe they'll do a better job of trying to feature him. Al Robinson has his role. He's there to be the outside jump ball guy. I don't think that changes. But people are like, okay, well, maybe Ben Skoronek. I've heard that name mentioned. Like, well, maybe he'll take over more of a, a bigger role. N- wrong. Ben Skoronek's a blocker first. Who has these games every once in a while where he gets targeted an abnormal amount? He's not good. He's there to do the dirty work. That's it. The receiver who actually is the closest to Cooper Cup in both skill set and the role that he plays when Cup is not out there, is Van Jefferson. 
Remember, he's been hurt for most of the part, but they like him. They drafted him high in the second round, and he was having a nice season last year, too. That volume has to go somewhere, and it'll be spread out a little bit more. But Van Jefferson could be the ace in the hole. Not saying they'll put up Cooper Cup numbers, of course, but good numbers. Want to start him in your lineup every week numbers? I think that is within the that that's within the range of outcomes. So Van Jefferson should very much be a priority own this week. Okay, let's move into the tight ends. That does it for my wide receivers. Cole Komet, that's obvious. 38% owned. He's been on fire as of late. You got to go after Cole Komet if you've been looking for tight ends. Hayden Hurst dropped down to 47% owned. If Jamar Chase is not back coming out of the bye week, which we still don't know yet, the timetable on him kind of put him more like a week 12, week 13 potentially, so he might not be back just yet. Hayden Hurst is still a streaming option in my book. If both, if one, at least Jamar Chase or T. Higgins are not on the field, if both are out there, then I'm not going to bother. But Hurst could be a streaming option, and he's available in more than 50% of leagues right now. Foster Moreau, he finally finds the end zone. So I, I put him on this list. We know Darren Waller's out for at least a few more weeks with the IR. He's only 11% owned. But I do want to point this out. Let's Don't go crazy trying to get Foster Moreau just because he scored last week. Because we've also seen that when he doesn't score, it's not very good because he's not getting a ton of volume, even with all these, those other guys gone. This offense is so predicated on Jacobs and Devontae Adams that you can't really trust it. It's very touchdown boomer bust. I know that's a lot for tight for tight ends in general, but don't go crazy going after him. But he does make my waiver wire list. Juwan Johnson. I don't like the usage. It's not a sustainable usage mark because it's still a rotation at the tight end position. It doesn't change the fact the guy's been scoring more times than not over the past month or so now. So he has to be in consideration. He's 8% owned. He's a fine spot start tight end to get you out of a jam, who you know at least has good touchdown potential right now. And like I said, with Jameis Winston, if he gets in there, that might up the ceiling for the offense as a whole. Harrison Bryant this is another guy. I don't know why they won't utilize him more. He did score last week. I think he is a good pass catcher. I think he is talented. That's why he has to be, you know, in 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 my column here. But the fact that Pharaoh Brown still got more targets, that was gross. So he's down on my list, but he's just a name that, you know, if you're desperate, you can look his way if David Njoku does, in fact, miss another week in week 11. That does it for the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We'll be back. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. So please subscribe. That way you get notified when we do go live. Check us out on On Demand when you download the Fox D Network app. Please stay up to date with the show when you download us on your podcast app and give us that five-star review. It really helps us out. Follow us on social media at Show. It'll be active throughout the week. And we'll see you guys again tomorrow night. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 